Well, good morning. Good morning. Everybody doing well? <clears throat> Excellent. Excellent. We, we need to have a discussion about balance. Spacing. I've been in the chiropractor the last few weeks because uh, every time I turn my head to the left, it like pops and cracks. And they asked me, like, Did you, is this something related to work? And I said, no, but maybe it is. I don't know. I don't know if we have workers' comp or not. But uh, anyways, hey, happy Mother's Day to all of you moms, mothers in the room. Um, we're going to talk about, if, if the video didn't give it away, we're going to talk about service this morning. But I think I would be remiss if uh, I didn't just connect this idea of serving to Mother's Day. Uh, because I would, just generally speaking, I think there's no human person that exemplifies service like moms. And so, uh, moms, we are grateful for you. Uh, I, I think just in my own life, just thinking of my own mom, um, got to spend some time with her yesterday. But uh, like most you know, children, teenagers, I didn't realize how much my mom served me until I was grown. It was actually, I went off to college at UK, and uh, the first time I had to do a load of laundry, I was like, how do I do this exactly? Uh, right? Or cook a meal, because my mom always did it for me. Right? Maybe that means I'm spoiled. Uh, I am. But um, man, just my mom served me so well. And I think of my grandmas, uh, how they served. I, I cannot to this day, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to still have them, I cannot go into their houses without them offering to make me food. Uh, I think about growing up, how they have a house full of family gathered around to eat, and they would always, always be the last ones to sit down at the table right after everyone else was half done with their meal. Uh, and then I, I think of my own wife and the mother of my own children and just get to see how uh, she serves our family so selflessly, sacrificially, never ask for anything in return, like most moms. Um, and man, I, I'm reminded all over again of just how incompetent of a person I am, because when she's gone for any length of time, I'm like, I don't know how to do anything. Uh, and so, and my children have caught on to it, because if something goes wrong, they're like, Mom! Right, they're yelling from the other side of the house, where's Mom? And, and I'll try to step in and be like, hey, buddy, Mom's doing some other stuff right now. Can I help? Yeah. Can you help me find Mom? Right? <laughs> Like, that's just, right? So all that to say, like, we're going we're gonna to talk about service. We're going to get to Acts chapter 9 here in just a minute. But, man, we would be remiss if we didn't just didn't say thank you, moms, for the way that you serve us. And so what I want to do before we dive into the sermon is I just want to take a minute to pray with you as mothers, to pray for you, to pray over you, because your task and your, your work is, is significant and weighty. Uh, and, and, man, you need the Lord's help in that. And so um, let me pray with you for you, and then we'll, we'll dive in, all right? Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning and just, just want to thank you for our, our moms, our mothers, and their, their selfless service and sacrifice, whether it's our biological moms, grandmas, foster moms, adoptive moms, and we could go down the list, but... Uh, moms carry a lot of weight and a lot of responsibility. And so we thank you for their service, for what they mean to us. Pray that you would uh, continue to give them uh, grace, uh, an abundance of strength, patience to fulfill just the, uh, the call that you've placed on their lives. Uh, I pray that 
the mothers in this room, especially those that are still in the, the, the years of, of raising children, I pray that, you would, uh, that, that they would not grow weary in doing good, uh, even when they feel like giving up, throwing in the towel. I, I pray that you would remind them that uh, what they're doing is kingdom work and that fruit just takes time to grow. So I pray that you would sustain them in that. For the mothers of young children, I pray that you would give them just a supernatural patience. Uh, help them to uh, just appreciate and persevere uh, through the blessings, the, the challenges of uh, raising children. Uh, I pray that you would remind them on the hardest of days that children are a good gift from you. Um, I pray that you would remind them often of of how patient you are with us as your children. And I pray that that would uh, help them in the, the long days. I pray for the mothers of, of children who are grown and, and maybe have left, uh, left the home. Um, and, and just through that transition, it, even though it, it looks different, that relationship uh, may, may have some different nuances. I, I just pray that you would continue to give wisdom uh, to those mothers as they uh, are still called to do what you've, what you've called them to do, to love and care for the children that you've entrusted to them. Uh, I, I pray, uh, Lord, that your grace would just be real to the mothers in this room. Um, whenever they, they feel uh, their, their own sin, their own failures, and they're reminded of those, I pray that um, you know, whether that be from from things that happened years ago or maybe from the ride to church this morning, I pray that you would uh, remind them that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, that your grace covers all of our sins. And so I pray that they would be reminded of that this morning. I pray that when they feel the weight uh, of their own inadequacies and insufficiencies, I pray that, that by your Spirit you would remind them that your power is made perfect in weakness. I pray that you would remind them that their identity is not found in uh, their role as, as mothers, uh, their success as mothers, how they compare to other mothers. Uh, I pray that they would be reminded that their primary identity is found in what you say about them, uh, that they are not primarily mothers or even wives, but they are daughters of the king. I pray you would remind them of that. And for some here this morning... Um, we want to be sensitive to the reality that the Mother's Day is a hard day. Uh, it's, a, it's a painful day. And so I pray that you would comfort uh, those in this room that have experienced the loss of a child. Whether that be through, um, maybe through, through abortion, through, um, infer- or through miscarriage, infertility, those issues. I pray uh, maybe those that have lost a child through really tragic circumstances. I, I don't know all the, the stories of every mother in this room, but, but for those mothers that today just brings a, um, a different kind of weight, I pray that, that even in the grieving that you would give them peace that passes all understanding. Pray, Father, that uh, for, for the young women that, that long to be mothers, but uh, they prayed to be mothers, but for whatever reason you have not answered that prayer yet um, those that, that know well the pain of infertility I pray that uh, Lord that you would comfort them on this day uh, this day that, that serves as a, 
a painful reminder. I pray that you would comfort them in a way that, that only you can. And I want to pray boldly that you would hear their prayers, that you would answer their prayers, that you would grant them uh, the, the gift of, of having children someday. And, and until that day comes, I pray that you would give them a lot of patience as they wait. And Father, we pray for the moms in this room that, uh, that have wayward children. The moms that, that grieve the, the reality that the children that they've raised have, have strayed from the truth they were raised in. I, I pray a special measure of comfort for them this morning. The moms that have a, a strained relationship with children, I lift them up to you. Um, and then, Father, we also pray for those in this room that for whatever reasons, maybe they have strained relationships with their mothers. Uh, I pray, Father, that, that you would ultimately bring reconciliation, restoration, uh, where that is possible. I pray that you would do that in your time. And then finally, uh, we pray for those in this room that, uh, that celebrate Mother's Day but, but don't have the ability to call their moms because their mothers aren't with us anymore. I pray that you would comfort them on a day that, that brings mourning and grieving. And I pray that they would be reminded of uh, just the, the memories that they have. Um, and, I, and I pray that, um, that, that those memories would roll up into gratitude to you, Lord, who gives every good gift and every perfect gift. And that includes uh, the, the women, the mothers that you've placed into our lives. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for our moms. And uh, Lord, I pray that you bless them. Not just this day, but every day. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now we're ready to preach. Okay. Hey, if you have your Bibles, Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be at this morning. Um, we are going to connect this idea of serving um, with a woman in Acts chapter 9 that, whose, whose life was marked by service, at least as, as far as we know. And so... Uh, rather than you take my word for it, we're just going to read it and get down to it. Before we do, if you were here last week, we did the thing where I read and then I affirm it and say, this is the word of the Lord, and then you respond by saying, thanks be to God. It was so fun last week, and you guys did such a good job. We're going to try it again. All right? Anyways, Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 36. It says, Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. And in those days she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And then calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one, Simon the Tanner. This is the word of the Lord. Almost as good as last week. I went back and listened last week. You guys were like energetic. All right, we'll get back to it. All right. So right out of the gate, we're introduced to a woman named, uh, a woman with two names, Tabitha Dorcas. Just real quick, uh, if I'm her, 
I'm raising my hand and saying I would prefer to go by Tabitha. Okay? Uh, but because the New Testament is written in Greek, uh, Dorcas was the Greek translation of that name, and so we know her as Dorcas, uh, probably much to her grief. But um, <laughs> she'll forever be known as Dorcas to us. But uh, anyways, Tabitha, Dorcas, both of those names mean gazelle. That has nothing to do with our sermon today. You just do with that what you want, all right? Um, but what I do want to draw your attention to is what Luke, uh, who, who's the author of Acts, says about Dorcas. He gives us an insight into kind of her life. He says, uh, the second half of verse 36, that she was full of good works and acts of charity. Right? I, I don't know if you mark in your Bibles, but I would encourage you to just make a note of that good works. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. Um, but basically what Luke's done here is he's informed us that, that Dorcas is a woman whose life is marked by uh, service. Right? It's, uh, when we read on a little further, what we find is that uh, we're actually introduced to some of these people that she served on a regular basis. Because the, the text goes on uh, and it says that Dorcas becomes ill. Uh, she dies. They send off for Peter a couple towns over. He comes and shows up on the scene. Uh, and when Peter uh, arrives, here's what it says in verse 39. So uh, kind of the, the second half. When he arrived, they took him to the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. All right, so the, uh, evidently, Dorcas had given her efforts and her energies to serving uh, this group of widows. All right, now, this is a significant thing, right? because widows in sort of the first century context were uh, a very vulnerable group of people. It was a patriarchal society, and so for you to be a, a woman at this time that, that did not have a husband likely meant that you were a woman that was uh, in need, right? maybe even in despair. Right? So, so widows were a, a vulnerable group of people, but, but even more than that, the reason this is significant is because widows were a, a group of people that had a special place in God's heart. You can go all the way back to the Old Testament, you can see how God makes special uh, provisions for widows, right? He has a heart for widows. God just has a heart for the vulnerable in general, but, but he has a lot, of, uh, a lot to say about providing for, caring for, loving, meeting the needs of, of widows. You even see this on, in the New Testament. You get to the life of Jesus, and uh, you see him raising uh, a, a widow's son in one of one of his uh, kind of accounts, miracle stories there in, uh, I believe it's in the book of Luke. Uh, on the cross, some of Jesus' last words, is he looks down at his own mother, who, who presumably, we don't know for certain, but we're led to believe that she's probably a widow at this point because Joseph's not anywhere on the scene. And he looks down and he, right, he tells John, like, hey, you're going to care for my, my mom, a widow. Like some of his last words uh, before his death on the cross. And then even a couple chapters before this, Right? Acts 6 is where uh, the office of deacon comes into the church because there was a group of widows, and, and the problem was that they were not being properly cared for. Uh, they were being too easily overlooked in the distribution of, of their daily needs. And so the office of deacon comes in, and they take care, provide for, make sure the, the, the widows get the, uh, the attention that they deserve. Right? We, we could go on and on and on, but widows play an important role 
to God. He has a heart for widows. And it was this group of widows that Dorcas had a heart for as well. Right? She, she moved toward them in love and compassion and care. Right? So much so that, that they are grieved, mourning, when they see that, that here's this Dorcas that loved them and cared for them so well who is now dead. Right? The woman that, that cared for them, loved them in a society where, where they were easily overlooked. Right? They're, they're mourning and they're grieving. And um, it's, it's in this moment right, of, of grief, mourning, despair that, that Peter sends everybody out of the room. Right? Everybody, everybody got to go. And then Peter kneels down beside the bed. It says that he, he begins to pray and he turns to her, her lifeless body here in this room and he says, Tabitha, arise. And that's what she does. And she opens her eyes, she sets up, and then uh, I, I love what it says in verse 41. It says, and he gave her his hand, and he raised her up, and then calling the saints and the widows... He presented her alive. Right? That, he purposely calls, notice, the saints and the widows into the room and presents Dorcas, who was once dead, presents her alive. Right? So, so where they were once grieving, mourning, now this woman who loved them, cared for them so well, has been restored to life. Right? Now, I want to be, be careful here because I... I don't think the text explicitly allows us to say she was raised because she served these women so well. I, I, don't, I want to be careful. We don't want to link that as that's why she was raised. I think actually verse 42 tells us why she was raised. Right? Verse 42 says, And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. All right, so we're taking Luke at his word. The reason she's raised is so that many in the town there would, would hear this story of this woman who was once dead, who's been raised to life, and they would believe because of that. Right? So I don't want to say that she was raised because she served so well, but we can presume that a woman who had given her life to this extent to serve these dear widows, we, we can certainly presume that like, when God raises her from death to life, she's just going to serve all the more. Right? When God moves her from death to life, it's fair to presume that she's going to give her life all the more to serving these women who hold such a, a dear place in God's heart. The God who just moved her from death to life. You're going to excuse me, I'm losing my voice. It's not like a middle schooler, okay? Um, it just happens. But right, what we, we see here is that uh, what I want you to see is a summary, though, of Dorcas's life. Right, just this little tiny snapshot that we get of it is this woman, who had given her life to service, is dead. Right? And God shows up through Peter, brings her from death to life, presumably so that she would continue to serve, to give her life to these good works and acts of charity that, that Luke says marked her life before this. Right? And, and here's what I want us to see, is that it's in this brief account of, of Dorcas, her life, this is such a vivid, clear microcosm of what the Lord has called all of us to, 
And what I mean by that, let, let me read a verse to you. This is Ephesians 2, verse 4. Familiar verse if you've been in church. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. All right, so if you are a Christian, a believer, a follower of Jesus, a disciple, you're saved, whatever terminology you want to put around that. Right, this is your story. You were dead. Right, in the, the, the trespasses of your sins, you were dead, hopeless, lifeless. But God, in his mercy, right, made you alive together in Christ. Right, the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you were moved from Death, hopeless, lifeless, to life. We've been made alive together with Christ. Right? But, but you weren't, this is true for all of us, you weren't moved from death to life just so that you could sit and bask in the awesomeness of life. Right? Because God saves us, moves us from death to life for a purpose, which is, he goes on a few verses later in verse 10 of Ephesians 2. He says, For we, those of us that are followers of Jesus, we put our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, for the hope of eternal life. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You remember how Luke characterized Dorcas, right? She was full of good works and acts of charity. Right? This, is, this is what she walked in. This is what you and I, any of us who put our trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, this is what he calls us to. And he calls us to a, a life marked by good works, which he's prepared for us that we should walk in them. Right, responding, listen, responding to God's offer of salvation is far more than just a get-out-of-hell-free card. Right, in, in fact, if that's all you think salvation is, that I could just not go to hell, now I can go do whatever I want. Like You've, you've missed it. Just missed it, missed it. Right, because God saves us, but he calls us to some things. Right? He calls us primarily to grow more and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. That's sanctification is the fancy word for that. That we would, right, moving from death to life, that process, right, we're saved in a moment, but our entire lives are spent being sanctified, growing more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And part of that right, is growing in holiness, growing in purity, Right, fighting and resisting sin, that's, of course, that's a huge part of it. Right? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to grow in those things. But that's not the only thing we grow in. Right? Growing in the image of Christ is, is also, also to grow in His image. Lowliness, humility, service. Right? Because that's what Jesus did. Right? You read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus is over and over and over again, taking the lowest position, serving others. And if you and I are going to grow into the image of Christ, that's what our life should look like. More 
and more and more the longer we do this. That we should be marked by hearts that, that love to serve. So the rest of our time together this morning, I'm just going to try to make this really, really practical. right? Because the idea sounds good, ethereal, yes, we should serve. But we're going to put some handles on it so we can actually like take it with us. right? So um, to start, uh, and this here, here's the question, overarching question for us, talking about getting practical. Is what does it look like for us to be a, a community of people, a church that is marked by good works, acts of charity, serving others? All right, that's the question I want to try to tease out the rest of our time together. All right? So uh, to start, th- this is the idea behind Valley Creek Go. All right, in a couple of weeks, we're going to go. I told you all about that last week. Uh, I'll tell you more about it at the end of the service today. I don't have time for it now. All right, but, but that weekend is we're going to actually go and, and serve. But, but ultimately, the desire is that this would be more than just one weekend in May. Right? The, the heart behind it, that we would go and love and serve other people, like, like that should be our heart all the time. And so... Um, we want to turn it into more than just a moment, into more than just a, a weekend, but into a kind of a, our way of life. Right, so, so thinking through this, how, how does this, what does this look like for us just every day of the year? Right? Consistent basis throughout all of life, not just one weekend in May. I think there's kind of two places that this plays out. One, inside the church, and two, outside of the church. Right, we serve inside the church. We serve outside the church. Let me explain what I mean a little bit. This is Galatians 5.13. Uh, here's what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Right, now, to give context to that, Paul's writing to a local church or a group of, of local churches. Right, so when I say inside the church, that's what we're going to talk about for a minute. I, I don't literally mean inside these walls, but I mean inside this, this community of people, this, this body of believers. Right, the, the church is not a building. It's not the facilities. The church is the people. When I say inside the church, we serve one another. I mean, we serve one another relationally. This is what the Lord calls us to. Um, like we, we should... Constantly be looking for opportunities to serve one another is really the point here. So uh, this, let me give you some ideas of what this might look like. Again, we're putting handles on it, okay? A starting point, just a really easy starting point, is just to volunteer in one of our roles on a Sunday morning. And we've got a variety of places where you could jump in and serve almost immediately. All right, there's uh, a welcome team. Some of you guys serve on the welcome team. You stand out front and you open the door for people, welcome them when they come in. And maybe that seems like such an insignificant thing, but here's what I'm going to tell you is that I don't know that we always comprehend the gift it is to walk into a welcoming environment. You you guys out there, both you all and then uh, the people who who one day will come in this store, the world outside of here is saying, be more, do more, be better, try to measure up. 
and to be met at the front door with someone with a smile on their face that says, hey, glad to see you. We're so glad you're here this morning. That is a gift. And that's an opportunity to serve, right? So that's, that's just one. Um, children's ministry. The, the general rule of church is that there's always a need in the children's ministry. Okay? Right? So uh, now, now, again, we're going we're gonna to go through the necessary vetting and background checks. We're not just going to throw anybody in there, okay? Um, but that aside, right, we could always use help in the children's ministry, in nursery, in preschool, in our elementary classrooms, right? The opportunity to serve. And, and not only are you ministering to children, which is another thing God calls us to, to, to love and equip and train up the next generation. Not only are you ministering to children, but you're also in serving in kids' ministry, freeing up parents to serve in other capacities, right? That's like, you've got to get some sort of like double points for that. I don't know how it works. I mean, we're not going to give them to you, but someday in heaven, you're going to get like an extra crown or something. I don't know. Um, all right, so, so there's just a, just a couple. Right, we could go more. We've got counting teams that help count offering and stuff. We could use help with that. I mean, we could go on and on and on, right? Um, but there's also ways to serve brothers and sisters in this room that, that don't fall in, inside of these walls on a Sunday morning. Things like uh, providing help meeting a physical need or a financial need whenever you're able. Things like providing a meal for someone who's going through a particularly difficult time or just a challenging season. Maybe it's a sickness, illness, recovery, newborn child in the family, right? All these different things that life transitions, like just, just serving someone in that capacity. I will tell you firsthand what a gift it is, because we've had this before, when someone texts my wife on a difficult week and says, hey, we know it's been a hard week. We want to get you Chick-fil-A, so what do you want? Number one, extra pickles, Chick-fil-A sauce, fries, Sun Joy with light ice, if you want to bless your pastor, okay? Um, no, but for real, like that's a, that's a gift of service, and it seems so insignificant, but it can make all the difference in the world, right? There's, um, here's something, maybe... It's, it sounds so simple, but it, it's the most profound, just praying for each other. And I don't mean like, I mean, we, some, let's be honest. We're in church. We can be honest, right? Sometimes we say like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then we walk away and three minutes later, like we just forgot the conversation we just had, right? But I mean, like, what if we actually really and just seriously prayed for each other? And I'm going to highlight a couple people that are going to get mad at me in just a minute. Uh, well, one of them's not here, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but there is rarely a week that goes by that Jeannie Bowen does not text me and say, hey, are there any, any prayer needs that, we, that I can pray for and, and send out to my kind of network of prayer partners? That's an act of service, praying for someone. I didn't, it's even, maybe even better than these other ones because we're praying to the God who can do far more than we can do. Right? Just, just praying for somebody. The other one, uh, Nina Castile. Some of you guys know her, some of you don't. Uh, about every three to four weeks, I get an email from, from Nina that just asking how she can pray for me and my family. And I know she does it because like three or four weeks later, I get another email and she's asking very specific questions about the things I told her three or four weeks ago. 
Right? So these are just, just ways that we might serve one another. Just easy, tangible, practical ways. Right? And, and listen, I want to commend you because you are, you are a church that serves. Right? You, uh, just in my time here, right, year and a half or so, you have built, you've built playgrounds. You have uh, provided gift cards and, and meals for families that were going through things. For families with, with newborns, you've provided meals for them. You have uh, put tires on vehicles. You have, I mean, just a million different things, right? So I just want to commend you. Like, you deserve to be commended where you're, you're doing this. And I would just say let's push all the more into it to be a community of people that love one another, that serve one another whenever we, we see the opportunity. All right, so that's inside the church. Let me talk quickly about outside the church. All right, Jeremiah 29. Uh, I'm just going to read one verse to you, but, but the context of that, back in the Old Testament, God's people have been exiled. They're living in a place that is not their home. Right? They're living in a foreign land. And here's what God says to his people through Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 7, if you want to mark it down and turn to it later. It says, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Right? I know this is, is Old Testament stuff, but there's still a word for us here. Right? Because... Christian, believer, follower of Jesus, fo- follower, did I say father? You are, you are not the father of Jesus, right? Follower of Jesus. Uh, you are living in a place that is not your home, right? This world is not, you're just passing on through. And the temptation could be to, well, let's retreat, let's pull back and live kind of in the safety of our little Christian bubble here. But I think the God of the Bible calls us into the world. Right? John 17, Jesus prays for his followers. He's like, I've sent them into the world. Right? And so we talk about serving inside the church. Well, here we're also called to serve outside of these walls. Right? The, the people out there. Right? So um, again, let's, let's get practical. Um, some ways that this you might serve the people outside of these walls in our community. Right? Things like uh, partnering with some of our, our community partners that we support financially and um, places like, like Clarity. Right? I'm sure Clarity could use more volunteers, right? <laughs> right? They, they, if you don't know what Clarity is, they serve uh, women and families uh, that are going through unexpected pregnancies. Right? There's various roles you can serve with them. There's an opportunity uh, Mission Hope for Kids, another partnership we have, organization that, that serves uh, families and children in our community. There's things like uh, Hope Collaborative. That, you may have no idea what that is, but that's uh, Micah Johnson, who's a member here. He was on staff for a while. He works with them, and they basically provide mentorship for kids in the local schools that could use some mentors. Um, we got Helping Hand of Hope right next door who, who meet tangible, physical needs of families in our community. Um, I'm going to forget one if I don't look at my notes here. Um, Habitat for Humanity, right? building homes and, and stuff for, for families that, uh, that need that assistance. I mean, we could go on and on and on, but just serving people outside of these walls may just look like volunteering a, uh, one day a month 
at one of these organizations. Right? Just opportunities are, are all around. Um, another idea to uh, some of our ministry initiatives where we're trying to, to minister to and connect with people in the community. Um, some of you are aware we have an after-school program here at South Wilson. Um, so yes, it, it takes place in these walls. We, uh, some kids come in and we provide academic tutoring and uh, just some different things surrounding that. Uh, and, and it happens inside these walls, but none of the families that we serve actually attend church here. At least not yet. Right? We're hoping one day. But we're serving people that are outside of here. Right? Things like uh, several weeks ago we mentioned Seed to Oaks. Uh, we're partnering with an organization in Louisville to kind of uh, do a, uh, a neighborhood assessment of our community to kind of figure out what are the real needs here. How can we, how are we positioned to, to step in and help uh, in, in ways that are actually helpful and meaningful. Right? I think sometimes, let's be honest, churches are notorious for, for doing things that don't always add value. Right? We want to be a church that adds value to the community in, in meaningful ways. And so um, right, when, when we do that assessment, we're going to learn how we can better serve our community around us. And then we're going to present it to you, and then you can jump on board with us. Right? Serve in that capacity. Right? But, but it doesn't even have to be like organized programs or ministry initiatives. Right? Serving people outside of here is just as... It could be just as simple as you've got a neighbor moving in down the street. You show up and help carry heavy things. Right? Or uh, you see somebody in the parking lot changing a tire. He's like, hey, can I help you with that? Right? There, there, there's no act of service that is so insignificant that it doesn't matter. Right? Jesus had a lot to say about just, just giving a cup of water to someone. It's a significant act. So we'd be a people marked by service. This is what... This is what the Lord has called us to. We go on and on and on. Talk about a variety of ways and what we might, ways we might serve both people in here, both people out there. But what I want to bring us to, uh, just as we kind of land the plane this morning, is this: our motivation. Right? Our motivation for serving. Our motivation is uh, it's not to feel good about ourselves. That's not why we serve. Now, I'm going to tell you, it feels good to serve, but that's not why we do it. Our motivation for serving is not to try and outweigh all the bad that we've done. Our serving is not an attempt for us to sort of, sort of tip the scale so maybe God won't be so upset with us. If that's kind of your view of service, then we need to have a talk about the gospel and Jesus, and we can have that conversation. That's, that's not why we serve, to outweigh the bad. And, and this one, maybe this can be scandalous. I don't know. We'll see. We don't even serve just so that the community would be like, oh, look at Valley Creek, how they love to serve. That's not even the reason we serve. Now, do we want to be a church that the community sees and is like, that's a church that loves our community and serves? Yes. But that's not our motivation. Our motivation in serving is because this is what God has called us to. Right? He's called us to Good works, which we, he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So our motivation for serving is just obedience. That's what our motivation for serving is. I mean, the, the, the reason that we go, the reason we serve, because this is what the Lord has called his people to. 
that we would be conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. The Jesus who said he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's why we serve. Right? And, it, and it's as we do that, that that we're conformed more and more into his image. And, and, and Lord willing, this is our ultimate prayer. Through our serving, through our, our acts of charity, through our love for the community, our hope and our prayer is that men, women, families would see our good deeds, see our good works, and ultimately come to give glory to our Father who is in heaven. That's why we serve. Right? So, that, so that the Lord might, through our acts of service, through our good works, call even more people from death to life. This is why we go by serving. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we come to you. Um, we, are, we are grateful that you have first served us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. Uh, there's, there's nothing intrinsically good in us that, uh, that, would, that, that we should receive the gift of grace and mercy that we've received. But, but you are rich in mercy. And, and through the sending of your son Jesus, you first served us, moving us from death to life, all of us who believe. And so, Father, I, I pray that we would uh, in response to what you have first done, I pray that we would be a people committed to, uh, love to, marked by serving others. Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear how we might serve the men and women, the brothers and sisters in this room that, that make up this church family. Lord, help us to uh, just be tuned in to how we might meet needs or uh, or pray for others, or uh, Lord, whatever that looks like. I pray that you would help us to be a people who do that. But also help us to be a people that outside of this room, a people marked by uh, the way that we serve, marked by humility, marked by lowliness, uh, marked by a desire to meet the needs, uh, the interests of others. Or may we be a people who who live for the welfare of the city, the community that you've put us in. Because I just believe that's what you've called us to. So help us to do that faithfully and consistently. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.